In that case, let's get into it. Let's do All it. Right. This is the Monster Manual Mash podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about every entry in the Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual, page by page, piece by piece. We look up everything that is in the book. We talk about it. We talk about what the makers of the game are trying to make you think about when they give you these things. We try to give you ways of using them creatively and try to think about how to best get your money's worth out of these these monsters that cost you money somehow. <laughs> and we also look at the history, the myth, and whatever else comes to mind when we discuss. I'm I'm a Chris. And I'm a Wes. And we are monster mashers. I've never tried that before. I didn't like it. Today we're talking about Dragon Turtle. We did the dragons, now it's a dragon turtle. I promise you we don't have to go through a whole list of just dragon animals, although that would be okay. The dragon turtle is weird because it's like, there are a whole bunch of dragons, actually, but now there's just a dragon turtle, which is different enough to be in a separate thing, but it is... um like a Pokemon version of the dragons. <laughs> yeah, it's a turtle type. It's a turtle type. It's its own. <laughs> I guess there's dragon dragon type. I know. Yeah. It gets really complicated. Because even the Blastoise, which is the most like the dragon turtle, is mm-hmm. a water type. But he's like a big-ass dragon. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, and it's weird. So you had the with the three original starters that their final forms. There's one, the Charizard, which is just a regular dragon. It's just a full-on dragon, but it's like a fire dragon type. And you have two. Yeah, actually, different... most of them are dragons. Yeah, well, that the other two, Blastoise and uh, Venusaur, in my brain, those were always both giant turtles. Like Venusaur is like a turtle, but what yeah. if it had like a giant plant for a shell? And Blastoise is like a turtle, but like with guns. <laughs> Which is a good monster also. Yeah, yeah. Just like naturally occurring guns on its back. Enough. A million monkeys on a million typewriters. Eventually you get a turtle with a gun. Speaking of feared creatures, the dragon turtle, this is the first thing the book says about it. They're among the most feared creatures of the ocean. Number one. Okay. They are officially released. Yeah. Yeah. Assess the stage. You go in the ocean, this is the first thing they tell you is watch out for this this goddamn thing. Yeah. It is officially related to dragon, so it's actually a dragon type. Uh it's just but it's not it's not almost anything like other dragons. It has uh although it does have a, a breath weapon, it has a steam breath. <laughs> and it has jaws and a crushing tail that knocks you prone. And the other thing we know about it is that it is sometimes mistaken for a rising sun or moon by the way that the light reflects off its sea green colored shell. There's a nice little visual, uh, treat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, to get across the sheer immensity of, of the creature and it's, um, the way that the, a turtle is often kind of like associated with a wholeness with the world. Mm hmm. A turtle is like, it needs nothing else. It's one with everything. So when you think it's a rising sun or moon, it gives you like this greater sense of where this turtle belongs in the cosmos. Yeah. Even though it's yeah. just coming to mess you up. Kind of like just likening it to its 
place in the cosmos with the imagery, you know? <clears throat> yeah, and how big it's supposed to be. Also gives you a way to, when you're introducing it in a game, give your players sort of like a that's no moon <laughs> moment. Like, oh, yeah. describe something or like, wait, it's not the, the sunrise. It's actually a glistening dragon turtle. <laughs> it is a dragon of the deep it attacks ships for treasure and sorts through them at the bottom of the sea um, where it then swallows it and then throws it up in its own lair afterwards so that's that's a dragony thing mm-hmm. um, I like the idea that it actively hunts treasure whereas I guess dragons tend to either just find hordes or they have minions bring it treasure I've never really thought about a dragon going out and like like getting some cups. You know? <laughs> I've never really thought about how it gets the treasure other than minions, but a, a turtle dragon turtle actually goes and attacks vessels for it, which has got to be like that's that's it's bad to be a sailor. It's very dangerous. It's already dangerous to be a sailor. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's bad enough if you're just, like, fishing for crabs, but, like, <clears throat> imagine, like, you're a sailor, and, I don't know, the jobs you keep getting for your ship are like, yeah, we just got this whole shipment of goblets, so I <laughs> gotta get them overseas. Yeah, you must have to, like, ride a razor's edge of, I don't know if the turtle dragon or dragon turtle can sense how much treasure is on a ship, like, if you just, if you just keep it under a certain level like can you sneak by <laughs> hide it in like a bunch of junk you know just yeah like, throw like, it off disguise the scent of treasure yeah throw a bunch of like manure on it or something yeah yeah um but like that makes it almost you have to be crazy to be a sailor you already do like i said but like man i don't want that mercenary monsters they're smart enough to be bribed and it specifically says pirates um, learn to offer treasure for safe passage. I don't know why pirates do this and no one else. <laughs> Is there some, like, global law against anyone bribing a turtle? And only, yeah. like, lawbreakers do it? Only pirates do it? That's a, that's a good point. Because well, maybe it's, like... I don't know, I could imagine, like, a kingdom be like, we never accept or give bribes to accomplish anything, even in the face of a gigantic turtle, yeah. you know? <laughs> and it's just, like, the pride of, like, the <laughs> the ruling class. Yeah, we yeah. don't negotiate with terror tortoise. Yeah. They can be bought by monsters as well, and they'll attack coastal towns and uh, do whatever you pay them to, if you pay them good enough. So now we have a couple scenarios where... You can use a dragon turtle. Um, anytime you're at sea, fight a dragon turtle that's coming to eat your treasure. Also can be part of a larger plot with other monsters uh, using them, so they can just kind of be like a big heavy or a major... They're, they're more than like a heavy. I think like a lot of low-level adventures encourage... They'll have like you fight goblins, and then there'll be this room where there's an ogre, and like that's the big... That's the big heavy bad guy that's yeah. like the whole point of that encounter but this is like more than an ogre showing up this is like you have to figure out it it's more than just a fight you have to like really prepare for it and it's more like a force of nature yeah and i feel like 
the pirates that would be able to get a dragon turtle to like roll with them that's like some pretty high level pirate shit going on yeah. there like there's a pirate king and there's a whole you know it's probably like how um later on in the book we'll talk about this but how gith yankee have like a deal with red dragons and they work together and go plunder things across the multiverse and so if you imagine like why would a red dragon take orders from anybody? It's because it's like a gigantic, ridiculous military organization. So you'd have to be like some fuck off powerful pirates to, you know, so deal with that. But then again, like they, you can probably only get like one dragon turtle, right? <laughs> like I can't imagine a whole fleet of dragon turtles, but the dragon turtle could be your pirate ship. <laughs> you know, if you really uh, seal your cracks yeah. very well. Yeah, um, because it does say it does say that they're territorial and they fight each other. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a good reason why you couldn't have more than one. Yeah, um, you could try to. There could be an adventure where you have to like deliver a bunch of treasure to like outbribe your competitors <laughs> to get a turtle on your side. That's great, and that can be a whole thing. That's why you've got to go into a dungeon in the first place to get the treasure to. Be able to bribe the <laughs> to dragon go, to turtle. To go bribe a turtle, yeah. To clear the shipping ways for the goblet shi- gob- goblet shipment. Mm-hmm. There's something more, like, I know dragons can be dealt with in different ways, but there's something very, like, mercantile about the way that this turtle, this dragon turtle is presented. Yeah. It's less about going into its lair and and slaying it. And whatever mythological baggage that comes with, it's more about like opening up shipping. Yeah, it's largely like an economic and like logistics thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because normally, us uh, footed people don't go near the water, except that it's more convenient to go over it than like go around it. Yeah. So really, if we're getting attacked by dragon turtles, it's kind of our own fault. Oh yeah, we, uh, yeah. We left the ocean a long time ago. <laughs> what do we got to go back for? Yeah. Um, they have elemental might. They sometimes end up in the elemental plane of water by accident, just like swimming around. <laughs> and I guess Merids live there. Who, if I remember, are just like very evil mermaids. And then they turn these dragon turtles into uh, mobile thrones that they like <laughs> latch their whole thing on. they like lash this whole apparatus onto and then swim around as like big turtle king people not bad uh, but that's all we know about the, the dragon turtle there are no variations of the dragon turtle there are no uh, like real they're not like long term planners they're just like ornery fight monsters and they're only that's only one page and it's like the the bottom third is the description and then the picture is a big turtle under a big ship yeah you get the the whole the whole picture the whole picture you don't really need much more i don't think but there are a, a whole bunch of ways to do turtles um because i kind of like the never-ending story turtle Oh yeah, he's like confused and seeing like it's so old and ancient and beyond the limits of the of, of a short life like everyone else that it 
like past and present is kind of and the future are all kind of blending together. It's almost like Dr. Manhattan, the way he can see all points in time at the same time. Yeah. So having a a really ancient dragon turtle as like a some kind of sage you have to get information out of, but then once you get there, he's not really he can't even really talk to you because he's on a whole other plane of thought. And then you get to make like a funny voice and really frustrate your players by only giving them like <laughs> little pieces. You kind of play like a little Yoda, or like a big Yoda, I guess. You've heard of Baby Yoda? Yeah. Now old as shit Yoda. Yeah, Titanic Yoda. Titanic Yoda, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why uh, the turtles try to get treasure. I don't know what they do with it. It doesn't say what they do with it. Yeah, it doesn't. Because, like, dragons have, like, like other dragons, flying dragons. Uh, yeah. Dragons, classic. They, uh, like, they, you know, kind of inherently want it. It's like it's in their, it's in their bones that they want yeah. treasure, right? So maybe it's the case with these guys, but I don't know. I, I sort of, like, that doesn't, like, uh, it I mean, I guess that sort of gives you license to come up with a reason why your dragon wants treasure, why your dragon turtle wants treasure, rather. Um, but it really, the, the the book itself gives you very little to go on. There's a few things. It could just be like how uh, your typical dragon likes to hoard, and then like the, the red dragon famously knows every penny. Yeah. That's the that's exact worth of its hoard. Yeah. And but I kind of like the idea of, yeah. of a turtle, like, not remembering or having, like, a cloudy memory about what's there. It just, like, wants to, just wants to get stuff. Or it could have even more, like, stranger ecological reason. Like, it has to eat treasure or it, it wants to, like, rather than hoard it, it wants to, like, get all the money, all the treasure, mm-hmm. and then digest it in its, like, very steamy stomach. And then it will poop out the constituent metals and then pound the metals into like dust or something and like yeah. redistribute it back to the whatever plane that it, those materials came from. Okay, so uh, there's um, with with whales um, one cool thing about whales is when there's a whale fall, when they die in the middle of the ocean they fall to the bottom but because they're so huge and they spend so much time eating so many things there's just like a ton of uh, like carbon all stuck up in one place like a ton of like bio matter all right. in one place so when it falls to the ocean what like whales are kind of doing ecologically are their sort of carbon sinks they're like keeping carbon from like being in other places and right. when they bring it back down to the bottom of the ocean they're like churning <clears throat> all the 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 biomatter around because they create entire ecosystems when one whale falls down so what if dragon turtles are doing that with treasure and they're <laughs> they're getting <laughs> treasure and they're taking it away from where it can circulate and do harm, and they're putting it to the bottom of the ocean, and they're letting it sit there for a bit so that it can do some other stuff to just keep keep everything yeah, in balance. It, like, it creates these like really amazing coral reefs yeah, where it can hunt. Maybe it's kind of like related to your idea from the dragon episode about how like a dragon's horde actually increases the quality of the like world around it. Yeah. Just yeah. under the sea. Yeah, these things. Yeah, totally. Um, Which I, I like that for these turtles more, or especially for these turtles, because then it's like, it's a dragon turtle, so it's already like, 
a real life precedent for mm-hmm. an actual animal. And now we have an even more like, it's, it's now even more of like an ecological fable. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be, um, they take the treasure and then they eat the treasure and then they, they melt it down inside, like you said, but then that's what they need to do to, cause they, when they're, their eggs, their eggs are made of gold, the eggshells of the turtle eggs. That's the only way they can do it. Um, they have to, that they reproduce. Yeah, they gotta eat through a bunch of gold. And then once they've eaten enough gold, then they can, they can, they can lay eggs. You have to, sh- it's like, uh, it, it would be part of their, like, mating rituals then to, like, yeah. have, like, a bowery, bowery bird who, like, shows mm. off all the bling they have. Yeah. <laughs> It could be too that like the younger turtles are the ones that you can hire as mercenaries and stuff, and then the older ones get crazier and crazier because they eat treasure, and the more treasure they eat, the more it like ruins their memory or something. <laughs> Grandpa, that stuff's bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird to have treasure be like an inherent part of an ecology. Cause then it's like, what did these things do before treasure? Did, did they just have to eat whatever was most valuable to mercantile species? Yeah. Or like it was, yeah, it was treasure dependent on, yeah. And just like whatever was most valuable or like just whatever was desired just in general, they just like, I, I want more of that, more of that stuff there. You know, if there wasn't any other civilizations, they would just be harvesting, like, like hoarding up all the, I don't know, <laughs> just food. Maybe like n- good looking rocks, good looking rocks. Yeah. Keep to take a bunch of nitrogen from the soil. Good, <laughs> good nitrogen. Plants care about that. It's valuable to plants. You know, I don't know. It is. Yeah, it is weird. But in a lot of fantasy universes, there's this weird presupposition that there's like always been some level of organized civilization somewhere. Like bef- in like in prehistory, there was like the old yeah. ones or something, or there was like the the you know it could be like the Nephilim or just like the ancient ancient elves or when just dragons ruled everything. There was all like in ancient prehistory in most fantasy settings, there was always some kind of intelligent power. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's always a fallen world. Yeah. Where maybe, like, these turtles... It was it went so long that they just naturally evolved. All these dragons naturally evolved to be dependent on treasure. Yeah. Or there's always the wizard did it, or a mind flayer did it. I don't know, but they keep wrecking these shipping lanes. They're used in um, the Forgotten Realms. I briefly looked through them, and it's a bunch of uh, um, pretty much the variations on what we've been talking about. Where they're they're used as like they're either bribed or they're even coastal towns that have like a deal with them to keep mm-hmm. out other sea monsters, and they'll mm-hmm. keep them in treasure. Um, it's kind of fun. I like the idea of there's there's the Kraken. When you're talking about sea monsters, there are like a few different versions of it that I can think of where it plays out a little differently. Like the Kraken is like doom. It's it's like un you can't reason with it. Yeah. You can't predict it, but you might have superstitions surrounding it. But yeah. ultimately it is such a force of nature that 
it's like it's just death in the sea yeah like you kind of are just hoping that like maybe godzilla will go fight it <laughs> you know like that's how that gets dealt with there's another yeah. big monster bites in yeah there's no there's nothing you can do all you can do is like watch for the signs yeah and steer clear yeah but a dragon turtle is kind of the same level of destruction, but you can, like, pay it off. Yeah. And yeah. you can have more of, like, a... I think it'd be a good, like, um, Moby Dick, where there's, like, a sea captain who's on a mission of vengeance spanning, like, most of his life. But the dragon turtle also has feelings about it. Yeah. So it's a much more cunning... Uh, like, whereas in Moby Dick, it's like the, the whale has seemingly like a Jaws level of intelligence where it's like, <laughs> it, it kind of knows what's happening, even though it can't talk or communicate really, or would even be interested in doing so. But like a dragon turtle like shows up and then the Ahab is like, it's the dragon turtle, kill it. And then the dragon turtle's like, fuck you. And then just <laughs> sails away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the captain could have like, um, could have stolen just even a little bit of the dragon turtle's hoard, but then uh got into like a like a like a rumble with the dragon turtle and like as a as a it, like lost a a leg or a hand or an eye or some 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 very seaworthy injury to have, <laughs> and then uh uh yeah and that's why like the you know so the dragon turtle's like give me my fucking shit back. I, you took that and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it back. Uh, and then the captain's like, you, uh, give me my hand back. Oh, wait, no, you can't. So I'm just gonna kill you. <laughs> you know? And just like, neither of them are like really totally in the right, but it's, it's just like definitely a lot of grudge fodder there. Yeah. You, know? you could have like, there could be some kind of history, some kind of altercation that made them, you know. And then it's foreseeable, it, uh, it's reasonable to think maybe that the dragon turtle would pay the player characters to kill Ahab. Yeah. Or something, or like sabotage him. Yeah. And you totally. have to like learn more about both of their stories. Yeah. To, you have to like choose a side or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about dragon turtles in real life. So dragon turtle most directly um, is a creature from Chinese mythology that combines two of the four celestial animals, a turtle and a dragon. So it's a turtle with a dragon's head, and it is a positive ornament in feng shui, symbolizing courage, determination, fertility, longevity, power, success, and support. You can see decorative carvings or statuettes of these creatures uh, all over the place, and they're supposed to be traditionally placed facing a window. Um, despite all these positive characteristics, the most famous dragon turtle of all is Bowser from Super Mario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the whole, it's really, it's kind of funny how, like, I was reading a bit about it, and it's like the celestial animals represent these, these great qualities. Um, the other ones are, there's a, the, a bird. Might be a cock, I'm not sure. The bird of the south, the tiger of the west, the tortoise of the north, and the dragon of the east. So they represent all these things, and it's like, you can also just mash them together. 
You get both things. So I don't know why they just don't have like a four, all four animals in one. That seems like the best use of, of mashing animals together. It does. Yeah. That would be those four though would be pretty bonkers all combined, you know, (laughs) like even just bird turtle together. Is, yeah, I guess, you know, I can, of, you can imagine a sea turtle, but it's flippers or wings, and I don't know. It's a little game-changing. Yeah. So a dragon turtle in Feng Shui attracts wealth. You place it in the money area of your home. A money area. Um, I gotta get one of those. <laughs> this is from a Feng Shui website that yeah. I... Have ripped off of my. I think my money area is a uh, is an old uh, uh, glass peanut butter jar. <laughs> some change in it. I think that's the closest thing I've got. Yeah. Um, or in a lucky direction to attract wealth. So you like place it, I guess, out outside of a window, and you and wealth flows from that direction. Okay. So like, yeah, you, you, that, like if you had like a shop or something, it would be a good idea to have a turtle facing. <laughs> Out towards the street, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Even outside, put have one outside, like yeah, above your door, facing out. Um, I like the idea of a dragon turtle in D and D, like attracting people with wealth to like maybe maybe all the shipping of treasure is not because it's worth the risk. It's because the dragon turtle's presence itself like encourages people to take the risk. Right, so people are just like strangely drawn to doing these big overseas journeys, <laughs> these big treasure halls, and just uh, yeah, well, that that could actually work really well. That could be really cool. Like, it, like there's this family, and like, oh, everyone in my family, we all keep having the same dream. We're gonna take our riches, and we're gonna go over to the the island over there. We're gonna we're gonna set up a, a giant, amazing uh, uh, mansion there, and we're gonna bring all our fancy stuff. And, you know, my, my father, my grandfather, nobody's ever made it there, but we're going to do it. It's the family dream. But that's implanted by the dragon turtle, Cthulhu yeah. stuff, to just get them to bring all their treasure out there. They want to sail. I, our family has always wanted to sail $1 million around the world. <laughs> 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 just uh, circumnavigate the globe. Just come right back where we started, but just have a million dollars in the boat. <laughs> It's typical to choose a gold-colored dragon turtle that has many coins and ingots all around it and a coin in its mouth. Um, a baby turtle, sorry, a baby a baby dragon turtle on its back is also a good addition for a wealth cure. I don't know what that means. So you but I have seen the statue. They have like there's a little baby dragon turtle on the back of the big dragon turtle and this cures wealth. I guess it's like a little extra. You need a little top up. You need a little like dragon turtle plus. <laughs> Put another dragon turtle on it. Yeah, can't have too many. That would be uh, bad in a fight if you were fighting a dragon turtle and then just like a whole bunch of little baby dragon turtles came off of it. Like that baby Godzilla. Have you seen that baby Godzilla? Yeah, I. It's a guy uh, in a suit. I mean, they're all guys in a suit, but yeah. There was one <laughs> movie. heavily featuring baby Godzilla. I forget what it's called, but it's kind of, the whole movie is kind of a Godzilla clip show, and a kid is running from some uh, 
uh, criminals, I think, uh, or some, yeah, some some just like robbers, and yeah. hides in a house and hits his head and <laughs> potentially has a dream where his friend Baby Godzilla takes him to Monster Island and then they go see all the different monsters and it's a clip show of different monsters like you know Godzilla monsters like kaiju oh, things yeah that sounds and right and then the kid wakes up and tells everybody about it and they're like yeah yeah whatever um it was it was one of my favorite Godzilla movies when I was a kid because every other one had a lot of preamble leading up to the cool monster destruction you know yeah uh there, which like I I w- that's not what I was there for as a kid, but the, this one was just like monster action through and through. But looking back, it's it, it was an insane film to make because it's a feature length clip show essentially. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, they, they made so many. I'm not too surprised. Yeah, and a lot of them recycle stuff, anyways. Yeah. We also have uh, where am I here? They can be used to advance your career. Uh, to use a dragon turtle in matters of business and career advancement, choose a dragon turtle with a Ruyi on its back, as well as strong, defined claws. I don't know what a Ruyi is. Place this dragon turtle in the north or northwest area of your home or office facing your lucky direction. Should be a bronze statue or one carved from crystal or stone. So career advancement. So you could have <laughs> some, like... Uh, bureaucrat in the empire somewhere who's 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 nervous about his rivals, you know, taking taking up his spot, um, in the in the you know in the whole thing, and so his scheme is to get an actual dragon turtle, but like as a as a career advancement, good luck charm, like he <laughs> is sending out adventures to capture one of these because if he has one, then he'll get the promotion he wants. <laughs> There's just a, a a standing rule in all yeah. navies that if you <laughs> capture a dragon turtle, you get promoted to the next level. <laughs> I was thinking just like, okay, it is still like the, it's still, you know, the presence of one of these turtles with the right, um, uh, I, I'm assuming like some kind of character on its shell. Uh, the presence of one of these just like bends the laws of the universe in your favor by creating right. luck. And so like you could have the same stuff that's in uh, Feng Shui work with the actual dragon turtle. <laughs> and so if you can get one, it's not like anybody else is like, oh, wow, I really respect that you did that. Sure. Yeah. You can have a promotion. It just like things work out for you if you have a, if you have a dragon turtle. Around. Yeah. It's super lucky and yeah. you have to either get them young or like shrink them down or something. Mm-hmm. Because that's the issue is they're also constantly trying to kill you and take your treasure and will, aren't susceptible to being bribed. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. This would be a good, um, like if the, the PC's opponent has in his possession, a lucky dragon turtle that he's like shrunk and wears as a necklace or something. Oh yeah. Or like in his uh, captured somewhere in his yeah. lair. And you have to go rescue it, and it's small. But as you are leaving the influence of the of the antagonist, the the dragon turtle starts increasing in size back to its normal size as you're trying to escape with it. Right, and it's not cooperative. It's like a snapping <laughs> turtle, and it's ornery, and it wants money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it gets like an awkward size, and you keep trying to pick it up, but like every way you pick it up, it's got some way to like get your hands, you know. It keeps biting you. Keeps biting you or scratching you. Yeah. And the uh, the final use of a dragon turtle is 
It neutralizes the energy of negative stars. It brings strong protective energies due to the fiery and courageous energy of the dragon and the watchful guardian energy of the turtle. So now you have dragon turtles as perhaps uh, celestial guardians. Um, which kind of reminds me of the turtle from the book uh, It, from the Stephen King, like, I don't know what you call it, the, the gunslinger of Cosmos? Yeah. Maturin, that's his name, the turtle. There's like a, a cosmic turtle that is one of the uh, the guardians of of the world that it is trying to um, invade. And it is one of the, uh, like, they got rid of it for both the Tim Curry miniseries and the latest couple of movies, but it is the craziest thing in those books. Well, one of the craziest things in those yeah. books. Um, and I guess that's, that's kind of related to, uh, Defending the energy against energy from negative stars. Like we're kind of this is stepping outside of the mercenary uh, treasure eating goofiness. Yeah, <clears throat> see some more like higher level level fifteen or higher type of uh, plane turtle passage. I do like the idea, though, that, like, you could have the dragon turtles still doing all the other dragon turtle stuff, you know, like, like sinking ships and, 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 and bringing treasure to the bottom of the ocean. But that's, like, in, like, like, they do that, but that's not their main sort of thing. Their, their deal is, like, they are there as these, you know, kraken dragon level things to, uh, to protect the world against like some bigger alien threats um mm-hmm. but it just like it hasn't shown up or like it does later in the campaign or something you know and it's like it's this monster that you have to deal with it is antagonistic to you but um it's like the reason it's there and so big and so intelligent is because it's something put it there uh to defend the prime material plane from something else you know and so you could have that uh yeah, you could have you could you could have a situation where like oh no some like a, a warlock uh, has opened up a portal to the space between the stars and now tentacle monsters are everywhere. Um, uh, we've got to find a, a turtle dragon because like that thing can take care of them, you know. But then you still got to deal with the turtle dragon and all the other stuff. But like yeah, you know it's 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 yeah, it still wants like fifty bucks. <laughs> yeah, you've got like it'll 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 do its you know cosmic duty, but it's it's still gonna try to grift you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Just because it is involved on a like a more grand cosmic scale, doesn't mean that it's given up what it's uh, yeah what it's all about. Like if you're good at something, don't don't do it for don't, free. Don't do it for free. <laughs> Um, the, the cosmic turtle, uh, this leads into the next thing I've got here. The turtle island. Yeah. Turtle island. So turtle island shows up in a lot of, um, cultures, uh, particularly North American native cultures. And the version of it I have here is from the Iroquois. And there's a whole ton of different variations on this, but the, this is a good, um, when to start with, I think. 
So the Earth was the thought of a ruler of a great island which floats in space and is a place of eternal peace. Sky Woman fell down to the Earth when it was covered with water. When there was a great cloud sea, various animals tried to swim to the bottom of the ocean to bring back dirt to create land. Muskrat succeeded in gathering dirt, which was placed on the back of a turtle. The dirt began to multiply and caused the turtle to grow bigger. The turtle continued to grow bigger and bigger, and the dirt continued to multiply until it became a huge expanse of land. Thus, when the Iroquois cultures refer to the Earth, they often call it Turtle Island. Um, this also shows up in Hinduism. There's there's a, a gigantic turtle that holds up the Earth, and... Um, the name Turtle Island is used today by many indigenous and First Nations cultures and activists, especially since the 1970s, with the rise of environmentalism and the word that the term came into wider usage. The term also became popular among non-native environmental activists. There's a, an American author and ecologist named Gary Snyder who uses the term to refer to North America in particular writing that it synthesizes both indigenous and colonizer cultures by translating the indigenous name into the colonizer's language. Also, Isla Tortuga is uh, the Spanish version of that. And that if we understand North America as being Turtle Island, it will help shift conceptions of the continent. Now, you can use this in D&D by having a whole civilization on the back of a giant turtle. It's really simple. <laughs> you could have... Yeah, yeah. On, on top of everything else the dragon turtles do, they can also have, like, a dungeon on top of them, depending on how old they are and how big they are. Yeah. It could be, like, a one-room dungeon if they're <laughs> small. <laughs> if, they have, if they're, like... If they're not quite big yet, they just have, like, a little, like, cabin yeah. on top. It's a it's a bachelor dragon turtle. Yeah. <laughs> so you could play around with that in all sorts of different ways. It could be yeah. a whole terrarium. It could be like a whole ecology, kind of like the real idea of Turtle Island. Or it could be, uh, like we just said, buildings or any other kind of strange structure. could be a bunch of furniture. could be an outdoor patio. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just picturing now all kinds of strange, recursive, like weird geometries you could have. Like you could have a, a a dragon turtle with like a structure and a door on it, and then inside of that um, is an ocean, um, and in that ocean is another dragon turtle with another door inside. And so, <laughs> it just turtles all the way in, all the way and, in. Uh, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that could be this weird <laughs> setting to get lost in, and you gotta you gotta find go through this maze of different doorways on different turtles in yeah. different oceans. And the turtles get stranger and stranger the deeper you get. Yeah, but somewhere in there is like a particular cup you have to go get. Oh, that'd be a great hiding place for a, a, a lich's phylactery is in one of the recursive pocket dimensions. Uh, uh, within one of the turtles <laughs> within turtles. <laughs> there are also, um, there's the legend of like living islands 
which we had something open for this. It's like, uh, did I get rid of it? There's some, um, oh, before, before we leave this idea, uh, have you read any of the Discworld novels? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've read, uh, what is it? The Color of Magic and another one a while ago, but I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with, with Discworld. Yeah. Have you, uh, do you remember anything about Great Atuan? Uh, yeah, so is that, I could be, I could be wrong about this, but that is, so, cause there's the, the disc is on top of four elephants that it's itself on top of another, another turtle, and the turtle is flying through space looking for a mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, which is another world with another four elephants and another turtle. Yeah, so in, in that, uh, fantasy world, is exactly as you describe, yeah. and it holds up the whole world. But all of the like the the scientists and the philosophers are aware of it. Like they know that this is for sure one hundred percent real. Yeah, and they're trying to discover where Atuan is going. <laughs> they're worried it's going to end the world or start a new one, or uh, it might just be like nothing. Yeah, which like. I love that. You know, I I don't know. I, I really like like in Discworld how the whole world is itself like a kind of strange, gigantic spaceship that's going somewhere and traveling in space, and all this fantasy stuff is taking place on this thing that's traveling through space. And yes. you could have, I I it, this you could have an idea uh, like a you know like a campaign setting, but what it is is have you read any of the 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 culture novels by Ian M Banks? No. So there's this post-scarcity sci-fi utopia culture called the culture in it. And they have these ships, and then the ships are basically um, like entire continents in space. Like just imagine like a spaceship base, but then the giant bubble of like an atmosphere, and then just mountains and oceans and just like a like like landscape in on this thing, but it's floating in space. Because they don't colonize planets, they leave planets to their indigenous life forms, and they live in space. Um, but if you had a lost one of these ships somewhere that like had gotten some magic on it somehow, you could sort of have this uh, fantasy setting where you're on a spaceship and it's not totally clear that it's a spaceship because it's so big, but it's it's going somewhere and like there's there's a there's a whole universe that you're in, you know. So you could have that be Discworld turtles too. Yeah, yeah. One of the elephants. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other. That's like a sci-fi D and D campaign. You like discover you're on a turtle ship. Yeah, <clears throat> and you have to communicate with it. And you could have that paradigm shift where it like starts off seeming very, very like medieval stasis fantasy, but then you realize like, oh no, we're on the fantasy world in a sci-fi universe. What the fuck? <laughs> but we still got to give this turtle treasure. Or he's gonna fly into the sun. Yeah. <laughs> We gotta get him to let us off. Yeah. Your, oh yeah. So, um, real life examples of Dragon Turtle Islands. Well, that's a bit of a misleading thing to say. There are there's there's a, a creature from medieval bestiaries called an Aspidocleon. Aspidocleon, uh, variously described as a large whale or sea turtle huge spines and a ridge on its back, uh, regardless of whatever form it takes. It is mistaken for an island 
with rocky crevices and valleys, with trees and even greenery and sand dunes all over it. Um, then, inevitably, sailors uh, go to the island and start a cooking fire. The creature feels the fire, goes underwater, and drowns everybody. And this story shows up in just about every culture in the world that's ever gone to sea uh, under various names. The uh, Aspidicloni. <laughs> I should just learn how to pronounce things. Um, this is the Greek version, but it is all over the place. There's a good, there's a, a poem by Tolkien within Middle Earth about a, a gigantic fish, which is kind of witty. I have the first line. It kind of sums it up in a, uh, a fun little way. Look, there is Festidicolone, an island good to land upon. Emily just got up. Here, read this. She heard me say a Tolkien word. <laughs> Festido... Festitokolon? Festitokolon. Look, there is Festitokolon. An island good to land upon, although tis rather bare. Come, leave the sea, and let us run, or dance, or lie down in the sun. See, gulls are sitting there. Beware. Gulls do not sink. There they may sit, or strut, and prink. Their part is to tip the wink, if anyone should dare. Upon that isle to settle, or only for a while to get relief from sickness or the wet, or maybe boil a kettle. So here we have seagulls complicit in the deception of sailors, um, luring sailors into a sense of security, and then inevitably they drown. Um, that's very D&Dable. That's an, a whole encounter. Yeah. You don't have to change anything about that. Um, let's get into real turtles. Yeah. <clears throat> you got any, uh, turtle facts? Uh, they're well, related to, you know, they're kind of dinosaur-y. They, well, they are, and there is a, uh, extinct giant sea turtle species that was around in the late Cretaceous, so it was dinosaur, it, it, it was, it was a contemporary <laughs> of dinosaurs. Um, nice. Called, um, Art, Art, uh, Archelon? Arch, yeah. Archelon? Uh, which is massive. If like there, uh, there's a, uh, I think kind of famous. I've seen it in a lot of things. Picture of a guy, uh, standing next to the fossilized skeleton of one, and it's like easily, yeah. you know, standing up like twice as tall as as a person. So like not. I've got the measurement here. Oh yeah. Fifteen feet from head to tail, and thirteen feet from flipper to flipper. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. Three stories. Three building. Like, look, go outside and look at a, a mm-hmm. building, and look yeah. at the third floor. Yeah. Or sorry, look at the second floor, and it's about halfway up there. Yeah, I'm a whole archelon up in the up in the, <laughs> up in the air right now. <laughs> Roughly five thousand pounds, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're really cool. Um, they have uh, really pronounced beaks. Um, like they're very, very beak focused face going on with them. <clears throat> um, as, yeah, yeah. As far as I know, they're the largest known is like as far as I can read, they're the largest known species of turtle to have lived that's been identified so far. Mm-hmm. Um uh but they probably didn't have a whole lot of stuff that preyed on them just just because like they're so big and they 
like have a shell that there there's there's not much that can really there's no way yeah yeah threaten them even some of the real bonkers stuff that was also in the ocean at the same time um probably didn't want to want to tangle with them wouldn't have been worth it no the the reward to energy spent is not yeah uh, going to be there um so yeah those uh, uh those are good those are giant. They're not dragon turtle size, but yeah. um, they're definitely an inspiration. Something else uh, that's neat is their their perfect relocation of their nests. Oh yeah, they go on these huge long migrations, and then they end up right back where they laid their eggs. Yeah, um, sea turtles for a while, uh, uh, um, like marine biologists and scientists in general weren't really sure what uh baby sea turtles did for the yeah. most part after getting out to sea because you see them hatch and go into the surf and like a couple of them get you know caught by crabs and seagulls on the way but like a precious few make it in there and then you see of course like adult sea turtles and coral reefs and in the open ocean and stuff like that but like young and adolescent sea turtles for a long time people didn't know what they did but um i think this was in uh i forget if it was like one of those david attenborough I don't know if it was if if it was a planet Earth or if it was a or if it was a blue planet or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um when there's uh like flotsam out in the sea, just like a bit of driftwood out in the middle of the ocean, it attracts sea creatures in the open ocean towards anything that's floating in the in the in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Um and like little bits of algae grow on it and little tiny fish grow there, and that's where they found a bunch of very young sea turtles. And so they'll find other stuff floating in the ocean and hang out around there, because that's like the only hiding place you can get. And so they live in these weird colonies, uh like just around logs and stuff floating around the ocean for a while. That's crazy. Maybe that's yeah. why um dragon turtles destroy ships as well. To create things for their children to hang oh, out on. That's a I love that thought. <laughs> they're creating <laughs> they're creating a bunch of like flotsam and jetsam. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the reason that they lure they make people want to ship treasure over the ocean is that they can destroy the ships. Yeah. Um That's all I have really. I have a thought about variations. I already talked about the uh, never-ending story turtle mm-hmm. and the cosmic turtle. Yeah. Um, there's uh, the ninja turtles, who <laughs> I think if you combined uh, that with the existing dragon turtle, you would get something um, world-shattering. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just anthropomorphize a dragon turtle and uh, teach it martial arts. Yeah. And- Give it an abiding love of fast food and, uh, yeah, and just a lot of cheat energy. Yeah, you could play a Dragonborn character like that, or a Turtleborn. A Turtleborn, yeah. You could do a, what are they, Tortles? That's the dragon. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. People. Yeah. Um, I do like, and just the variation on Dragon Turtle, you can make, because the Dragon Turtle as it is in the Monster Manual now is very much like a, like a sea turtle, like an ocean like it's a water thing, but mm-hmm. you could take most of the stats and like maybe swap out the the steam breath for something else, but have like a dragon tortoise and have like a totally land based version of it, just and uh, just this giant desert weird thing, you know? Yeah, it's very slow, 
but like impossibly old. Because that's the other cool thing about real life turtles and tortoises is they're some of the most longest lived uh, uh, wild animals, which is which is neat. Didn't they very dragon like? I, I can't remember if this is true or not, but I have a, a sense that there was a point where scientists thought that turtles couldn't die of old age. Yeah, I remember does reading that, that too. I, I that does ring a bell. I I haven't like looked up on that recently. Um, I have a like I don't think that's that's true. I think there are some <laughs> animals where that is like largely true. Like lobsters, I think can't really right. die of old age, Maybe but I'm they continue of, to grow and they they get to the point where they're too big to like be able to fend for themselves. I'm motioning yeah. lobster claws right now to the webcam. <laughs> uh, you can't see at home, but you can imagine that. And that, that's the thing is like, they just get like too big to be able to like handle the shit. <laughs> um, but I think t- turtles do die of old age. But one, yeah, I think, I think I was just, uh, thinking about lobsters. Yeah. But they do live so long that, uh, tortoise, that, uh, like a Galapagos tortoise mm-hmm. that was, uh, Charles Darwin's personal Galapagos tortoise that he kept. They're so long lived that only a couple of years ago it, 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 it passed, it died. That's crazy. It had lived, it had like lived a full, like, hundred years <laughs> beyond Darwin. Man. They used to, like, he probably at least treated his, his turtle well, hopefully. I'm not hopefully. sure. Uh, but the weird but, thing about Charles Darwin is he also, like, uh, when he discovered all, well, discovered, you know, like described yeah. scientifically all these animals. Um, he always, he always checked to see what they tasted like also. <laughs> like, he, God damn it. Yeah. He, yeah. That's the thing about him is he, he was sailing uh, around I know. doing all this stuff and like, well, but can we eat it? <laughs> it was always yeah. through his mind. Yeah. Well, they've, uh, like sea turtles and, and Galapagos turtles um there's like such a horrific history of sailors treating them like shit yeah because they're so long-lived and they don't need much their metabolism goes like way down if they're not around anything so there's like accounts of ships taking on sea turtles and just like they would keep them to eat eventually because they would just like sit in storage and like they weren't aggressive or anything so like they would just wait they would just hang out there and wait God damn. And you, cause you wouldn't have to like do anything. You'd have fresh meat like months later. Right. Yeah. Cause it's a living thing. So it's, it's, it's its own preservative. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so that's, you know, one of the many reasons why, uh, endangerment of species happens. And yeah. then like people started taking them back to show off. Um, you could play up a vengeance angle for a dragon turtle if you wanted. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like that, or you could reverse it and have a a dragon turtle with a bunch of like weird houses on its shell, but it's like <laughs> it's got a prison where it's keeping people. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, just sailing around with its prison on its back, capturing all of the uh, you know uh, poacher pirates, capturing anyone who bribes it. Yeah, it's 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 entrapping <laughs> the pirates. It's a narc. Yeah. Um I wonder I there's an interesting Turtles connection. Are here. Cop. 
There's an interesting connection here with the the thing earlier about um, uh, uh, neutralizing negative star energy or whatever mm-hmm. it was. But I know sea turtles in the wild are one of the main things that keep jellyfish populations in check. Because uh, oh, right. they, they uh, can no problem eat all kinds of poisonous jellyfish that nothing else would touch because they... I don't know if they're immune to the poison or just they're, they they have a way of eating it with their beaks that they're fine, but they can just gobble up jellyfish like no problem. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, because I have a suspicion that one of the reasons that the, because the ocean, the real world oceans are just exploding in jellyfish populations. The jellyfish are doing great in the absence of other things, which is mm-hmm. concerning. Um, and I, I haven't looked into this, but my theory is that, uh, that some of that has to do with there being less turtles to eat all the jellyfish. Mm. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But jellyfish are very much like um, eldritch space monsters in, 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 in a way that I imagine a negative star to be an eldritch yeah. space thing. So there's another, there's another connection. That's there. a good thought. Yeah. yeah. Play up the far realm angle of jellyfish. Yeah. Um, I've got. I've, I've been meaning to bring this up in other episodes of the podcast, but I've got this book by um, Keith um, Ammon called "The Monsters Know What They're Doing." Have you heard of this book, Chris? No. Um, so it's a book. I don't know. Is it, is it mirror image? Yes, it is. But it's a large book that is. It's based on a blog, and these are. It's a set of. It's like tactics for monsters to use that are written. Like, what would these monsters actually do? Oh, actually, I've read that blog once or twice yeah. while doing yeah. research. So uh, the content of the blog uh, has been is a, is a book now. Right. I didn't, so, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. And so for dragon turtles, um, I mean, a lot of these entries boil down to, like, their monsters aren't, like, charging suicidally into battle. Like, they're going to, yeah. when they know they're losing, they're going to back off and they're going to do certain things um, if they can. And so, um, do, 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 where is, uh, yeah, so the, ba- the basic thing with these here, though, is that um, they, when they're fighting, they're always going to try to position themselves to be in as advantageous a position as possible to use their steam breath, and they're going to use mm-hmm. their steam breath from a good position anytime they can. And if you're in a boat, they're just going to pop their head out to use their steam breath and then go back underwater until that recharges. And, like, why would they put themselves at risk? And they uh, totally... What, what, what is this here? Um, Dragon turtles have humanoid average intelligence and slightly above average wisdom. Uh, their features don't lend themselves to tactical flexibility, but their wisdom does grant them uh, some, very sav- some, some savvy in target selection as well as a sense of when to cut their losses. Um, a party that can inflict moderate injury on a dragon turtle which has a massive reservoir of hit points is not to be trifled with dragon turtles aren't malevolent just greedy reduce one to 238 hit points or fewer and it will stand down and try to start strike a bargain uh that lets it live and keep most of its treasure if the enemies refuse that uh refuse to relent it fights until it's seriously wounded uh at which point it swims away at full speed dodging as it retreats so if you're out to actually like slay a dragon turtle, you might have to fight it and then track it down across the ocean for a very long time, and that could be a whole whole adventure in and of itself. Yeah, you could be the Ahabs. Yeah, totally. Um, to leave off, I have 
uh, a listener email. Oh, wow. That I'm going okay. to read a little bit from. Concerning our dragon episode, um, let's see who it is. It says from Emily Minthorn. Emily Minthorn, uh, our Sounds resident good. Tolkien expert. So she had some things to say about our dragon episode because we did not mention, and I thought I did, but I didn't, I never mentioned Smog or any of the other um, more explicitly Tolkien influences, yeah. which is uh, shame on shame on me because, and you, Wes, you're not... Yeah, well, no, we're, we're in this, thing. we're shackled. Because <laughs> Tolkien, um, as much as we dig into uh, fantasy myth um, to explain the idea behind these monsters... Um, as Emily put it in conversation with me, like Gygax did draw inspiration from myths, but he wasn't reading the myths and putting it into the book D and D. He was reading Tolkien and putting it into D and D for the most part, um, especially concerning dragons. So red dragons in D and D are characterized as covetous, evil, vain, wily, self-important, impetuous, and wrathful. And the only thing they love more than themselves is their treasure, which they know down to the last coin. They revel in death, destruction, and cruelty. May I introduce you to the red prototype, Smog, pronounced Smog. Smog? I did it wrong. Smog. Smog. When Bilbo first enters the dragon's lair, he is transfixed both by the splendor, the lust, the glory of the treasure, and the vast red-gold dragon sleeping on this costly bed. Bilbo eventually snaps out of it and steals a single cup. See Beowulf. So you remember, that's what triggered the dragon waking up in Beowulf. Tolkien, it's safe to say, has read Beowulf. Uh, he brings the cup back to the dwarves to prove his worth as a burglar, but Smaug soon notices. Dragons may not have much real use for all their wealth, but they know it to an ounce as a rule, and Smaug was no exception. Smaug, that's going to take some getting used to. He quickly flies into a rage that passes description, the sort of rage that is only seen when rich folk that have more than they can enjoy suddenly lose something that they have long had, but have never used or wanted. He belches fire and storms around the lonely mountain in search of the thief. Everywhere he goes, he gives off a red glow. After eating some ponies and scorching the mountain meadows for a while, Smaug gives up his hunt for the thief and goes back to his horde. Bilbo returns, wearing the ring, this time to see if he can figure out a way of getting rid of the dragon. Every worm has its weak spot, as my father used to say, Bilbo tells himself. <laughs> when he comes upon Smaug, he believes the dragon is asleep until he notices a sliver of red light shining from one eye. The wily creature is only pretending. The conversation between Smaug and Bilbo is one of my favorite scenes in the entire Legendarium. Too long didn't read, Bilbo flatters Smaug out of killing him immediately, appealing to the dragon's unquenchable vanity. He calls him the tremendous, chiefest, and greatest of calamities, the mighty, the unassessably wealthy, the impenetrable, and your magnificence. Meanwhile, Smaug's manner is imperious and menacing. It is revealed that his red eye beam is a form of dragon spell. Being held in the gaze with a dragon compels you to tell him everything he wants to know. As the conversation progresses, Smaug begins to sow doubt in Bilbo's mind about the faith he has in the dwarves' friendship. 
Red dragons are agent of discord with overwhelming personalities. As you know, Bilbo is able to hold his own, just, and manages to use Smaug's hubris to reveal the one weak spot in his armor. Bard later uses this information to eventually slay the dragon, and an archetype is reborn. So that is the quintessential red dragon story, and everything from The Hobbit shows up in the red dragon description in the book. Um, pretty much word for word, not maybe not word for word, but like blow for blow, the whole thing. There's also an instance of a green dragon, which is a little different and less uh, well known. Green dragons in D&D are characterized as master manipulators and deceivers who hoard people like treasure and use them like objects for their own amusement. They have long forked tongues and live in forests. The Ur Green Dragon in Tolkien's Legendarium is absolutely vile, dark in a way that only a character in a story rooted in Finnish folklore can be. D&D Greens can all trace their lineage to Glaurung. Glaurung first appears in the Silmarillion and is described as the first fire-breathing dragon unleashed by Morgoth upon Middle-earth. He is the father of dragons, but unlike his many descendants, he doesn't have wings. He doesn't need them. His evil intelligence, his voice, and his snake-like gaze hypnotize his prey, and under the influence of the dragon spell, things get truly twisted for the unfortunate hero Turin, son of Huron. At this point in his misadventures, Turin has been staying in the underground elf kingdom of Nargothrond. Waiting for visual confirmation that I pronounced that right. I get a nod. And is such an impressive warrior that they put him in charge of their defenses. Also, the daughter of the king is in love with him. These are two big mistakes. Because of Turin's arrogance, Glaurung and his army of orcs are able to sack Nargothrond. And because Turin has arrogantly revealed his true name to Glaurung, Turin is easily captured by Glaurung's evil voice and gaze. Glaurung's words, sorry, Glaurung's words of manipulation always contain a seed of truth. The epithets he flings at Turin, while insulting, are not wrong. Turin, being under the spell of Glaurung, hearkened to his words and saw himself as in a mirror misshapen by malice, and he loathed what he saw. As the survivors of the siege are marched right in front of Turin, the princess pleads with him to help, but he seems neither to see or to hear her, and she and the rest of the maidens and women are carried off to hell while he stands there stupefied. Then Glaurung fills Turin's mind with visions of his long-lost family suffering, and the warrior, believing himself free of the dragon spell and making decisions of his own, runs away from the ruined city to find his mother and sister. Alas, mother and sister who have been journeying to Nagathrond just miss Turin, and instead come face to face with Glaurung. The sister, Neonor, arrogantly reveals her true name and lineage to Glaurung, and seeing his opportunity to cause some shit for Turin, he uses his evil voice on Neonor. It seemed to her that the sun sickened and all became dim about her, and slowly a great darkness drew down on her, and in that darkness there was emptiness. She knew nothing, and heard nothing, and remembered nothing. She runs screaming into the forest, away from her mother and friends and all the elves in her entourage. One day, Turin, who is now the leader of a small woodland settlement, finds a woman running naked and lost in the woods, helps her, and falls in love with her. They're married, and she gets pregnant. Then, Glaurung, 
who has been chilling in the ruined city of Nargothrond all these years, gets bored and decides to go cause some more chaos for Turin. Turin is a lot of things, but a coward is not one of them. He meets Glaurung at a super epic location, and after an epic battle, deals the dragon a killing blow, but is mortally wounded himself. Nienor finds Turin's body beside the dragons and cries over him. Glaurung wakes up just long enough to speak the words that release her from his spell, and suddenly she remembers everything about her past life and realizes she is married to her brother and pregnant with his child. Horrified, she throws herself over a waterfall. When the villagers come to check out the dragon's carcass, they wake Turin. With the dragon dead, his mind is also freed of the dragon's spell. He knows his sister is his wife and that she is dead. He is confronted with the visions of everything that he allowed to happen while under dragon spell at Nagrathrond. So he falls on his talking sword. Somewhere deep in hell, Glaurung laughs. The end. Uh, postscript, like a religious fanatic, I can always find ways of tying Tolkien lore into pretty much anything, including the D&D characterizations of black and blue dragons, but the ties would be tenuous at best. Thanks for reading this, if you have. Thanks for reading this far, if you have. Good analysis of Beowulf's dragon and dragons as symbols of power, but also greed. Goodbye. Thank you, Emily Minthorn, for your, uh, your, your write-in essay. Um, much needed background on the direct influence of Tolkien on dragons in D and um, Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. That was great. This is the problem with having a D and D podcast and having only read. I've read Lord of the Rings and the Two Towers and Return of the King, and I've read. Uh, Children of Hurin, where the story comes from, but it had been a while, and I didn't remember that uh, Glaurung was specifically a green dragon. So, my bad. But thank you. This is good. I think that's uh, pretty much all for dragons until we get to W, Wyvern. I think. I think. Next up, we have um, something wacky and palate cleansing, hopefully. The Drider. Oh, yeah. The Man-Elf Spider. So that'll be next. Um, in the meantime... Uh, monsters! <laughs> I could just say goodbye. It's like a perfectly normal way of we saying We could say goodbye. That would be, yeah, that would work. It's a nice adult way of doing it. That's what we're going to do. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>